2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: Well, good afternoon, and thanks for coming along today. The Monday, Martin Luther King Day episode of The Ride Home. Here's our one request. Don't tell us anything.
4: I don't. We don't want to know anything that's happening. Nothing in Buffalo right now. Not one thing, because we are going to be blissfully ignorant mm-hmm. until the show is over. We can go home and watch it.
3: Sequestered in these studios. Yes. So no one call, No one text. No.
4: Texts, I am please. a nervous
3: wreck. Are you?
4: Yes. I'm a little anxious. <laughs> okay. Now here's the here's the big news of today, you tell guys. Huh. I walk in mm-hmm. to the Word FM studios. I have to go do a you know a recording. I come back after that. Yep. For the first time, Lexi, see John Hall face to face. He is wearing Steeler gear. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> what? Thank you. Well look, I mean <laughs> Listen, I, wait. It's not time for you to talk yet. <laughs> Lexi, I was moved I was moved, I was moved to tears by it. She was moved to tears <laughs> by it. I'll
3: tear you either. there. Well I, look I I You look
4: terrific, John.
3: You can only take so much bullying. You look <laughs>
4: terrific. I mean you, you have a, that's a down. very nice shirt. It's
3: fine. Mhm. It's fine. It's not a jersey. Now, look. It doesn't have to be a jersey. You're wearing a jersey. I'm wearing a jersey. Our
4: own Kenny Woods. Is wearing a jersey. Mm-hmm. He's a responsible adult, isn't yes, he? Yes, is, he? he is. With a career right. and a family. <laughs> right. right.
3: I mean, I, I finally, you know. Okay. You had to give in, didn't you? I did. I mean, I, I'm driving over. Last night, I'm thinking, I cannot go in there tomorrow without. <laughs> and, oh, I'm also wearing uh, some black and gold socks. Very nice as well.
4: What? What the yep. heck happened? It's like someone who like never ate sugar and like they put their head in a pie.
3: I mean I figured I had to do something. So this morning I'm driving into work and I thought, Oh, I'm just gonna make a quick detour. I took your advice. I went Did
4: you go to a second hand store? I did. That's the way to do it.
3: I went to the red, white, and blue store on 51. Yeah, which is a good one. Walked in the corner back there. I saw it very quickly. There were several selections. Yeah. I was in there literally five minutes. Made the selection. It's a nice shirt. It's a
4: really nice shirt.
3: Maybe it stinks.
4: Well, that's why you're supposed to wash it first. Well, but, you know, I, I then when, you put, when you put things off. Ten I mean, bucks.
3: I, don't I spent say. $10 cash. I don't think it smells. Helps so nobody died and, in this. And, <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's all i And here's the thing. Yeah. You're moving the mojo forward.
3: I felt I had to. Yes. And we got a terrible towel here in the studio.
4: I don't like now John's hanging the towel around. Well, I mean, I always love the towel.
3: So I'm just ready to go. This is
4: going to be a huge day. I'm sick. I am sick (sighs) with anxiety. My stomach is eating itself.
3: Yeah, I get the feeling. Whenever they canceled the game, I was like, but I get it. Do you know that three feet of snow fell in Buffalo? Holy Three God. feet of snow. And they're shoveling that out. People who have tickets, they might not have a place to sit. There's no place to th- you put know the snow. There,
4: you know, there are just like regular Buffalonians that are just going. They put out a call. Yeah. Please come over and help us shovel out.
3: Because they love their team. And they're just doing it. Yeah. Three feet of snow. Nowhere to sit. Okay, let's go. Come on, Steve. How
4: about the videos? Did you see them during yeah. during last night's game? They like couldn't what? have
3: played. Um,
4: How could what? you play the a game? It was like the surface of the moon. <laughs>
3: it really was. It was crazy. But I'm I'm like you, okay. I'm anxious. Yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm sick. And I'm gonna not involve myself in any
4: media. Are you going? Right. Of course not. And we here's the problem is we're gonna get home mm-hmm. at six thirty, six forty five, whatever it is. And then I don't know how I can combine mm-hmm. eating with a game like this mm-hmm. because I feel like that's just sure indigestion.
3: Yeah, but i got to eat something. It's going to be dinner time by the time we get home, right? To get out of a okay. little bed right. Okay, we've got to
4: focus. I've got news here, too. Okay.
3: All right, without further ado, as we start the Monday show, let's uh, take a look at the news, the top four at four.
4: For Monday, January 15th, 2024, number one. The Iowa caucuses today. Mm-hmm. And while Republican primary voters think Donald Trump is their best shot in November, it turns out, John, it's Nikki Haley who right now holds a bigger lead over Joe Biden than either Trump or DeSantis what? in potential head to head matchups. Mm-hmm. That's according to today's CBS News. In fact, John, as the GOP presidential nomination h- kicks off, Trump, Haley, and DeSantis all have at least a slight national edge on President Biden right now. Mm-hmm. No surprise. Haley draws more moderates and more independents, more voters with college degrees than Trump does. She also peels off more 2020 Biden supporters than either Trump or DeSantis does and erases Mr. Biden's edge with women.
3: Hmm. Okay, bring
4: it. Number two, the Iowa high school principal, John. Who was shot and wounded while trying to protect his students during a school shooting earlier this month has died from his injuries. Perry High School Principal Dan Marburger was among seven people injured in the January 4th shooting. One student, an 11-year-old sixth grader, was killed. The suspected shooter, a student at the high school, died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Our entire state, said Kim Reynolds, Iowa governor, is devastated by the news of Dan Marburger's death. Dan courageously put himself in harm's way to protect his students and ultimately gave his life to save them. He will forever be remembered for his selfless and heroic actions. May he rest in peace. Reynolds ordered all flags in Iowa to be lowered to half-staff. That's from ABC News. Number three. Pittsburgh-based Astrobotic yesterday announced plans to allow its failed lunar lander to burn up during re-entry in Earth's atmosphere. The Peregrine lunar lander launched into space Monday with the goal of soft landing on the moon, but quickly became clear the lander would not achieve its goal. Astrobotic said it worked with NASA and others in the space community and the federal government to determine the most safe and responsible course of action to end Peregrine's mission, which is to maintain its current trajectory to re-enter Earth's atmosphere, where it will, as I said, burn up. That decision was made as the company balanced, quote, their own desire to extend Peregrine's life, operate payloads, and learn about the spacecraft with the risk that our damaged spacecraft would cause a problem in space. That's from today's trip. And number four, I got a weird animal story for you. Oh, bring it. A family in Australia received an unwelcome home visitor last week, an eastern brown snake, one of the most dangerous snakes in the whole globe, curled up in the underwear drawer of their three-year-old son. Thanks. And that is your top four at four. How'd that happen? Uh, they're, they're actually not sure. Mm-hmm. But they've, there apparently has never been a brown snake discovered in an underwear drawer.
3: Well, there's always a first for everything, isn't there? Isn't that upsetting? That's crazy. All right. Okay. We're underway here with Monday's show. Um, You may uh, have other plans in just a little bit, but stay with us for the entirety of our show because we're going to the White House next. Greg Clarkson joins us from SRN News with an update of the happenings in and around the world and the nation's capital. Every Monday, right out of the chute, Greg Clugston joins us from SRN News, where he is the White House correspondent. Greg, happy Monday to you. Hope you're staying warm and comfortable wherever you are.
2: Yes. Hey, good afternoon. I am staying warm and fairly comfortable. Uh, boy, some parts of this country are really in a deep freeze, aren't they? For sure.
4: Listen, uh, we were supposed to have a Steeler playoff game yesterday versus the Buffalo Bills and <laughs> yes, didn't <you> <laughs> happen Mm-mm. because an actual three feet of snow fell in Buffalo. So even as we speak, uh, kickoff is close to happening, Greg, and it's enough. To, but we're, we're keeping ourselves free. Sequestered. Like away from any news source. So if anything happens, you are not <laughs> Permitted to mention it to us or any of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
2: Okay, you guys usually ask me questions. I got, I've got one for you right Thank out of the okay. Game I'm here. ready. Okay, if uh, if the snowstorm was in Pittsburgh and the Steelers were hosting the game, would you go and shovel snow at the stadium for twenty dollars and free food like they're doing with the Buffalo fans? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs>
4: Boy, that didn't take long for us to come to that
3: conclusion, nope, nope, did it? No, no, no. <clears throat> no. Okay. Would you do that, Greg? Uh, uh, probably not. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, Buffalo is a different planet, isn't it? There those people who live there, yeah. that's just, that's all they got, to be honest.
4: Well, Weather, <laughs> weather changes you, right? Yeah. And when you have to live with all that all the yeah. time, I mean, for goodness sake. All right. So speaking of geography and looking around the United States, today's the Iowa caucus. So mm. this is the kickoff. I mean, the presidential election season begins today.
2: In earnest. Yes, the Iowa caucuses. Uh, so in just a few hours at eight o'clock Eastern time, Pittsburgh time tonight for two hours, there will be caucuses held at events all around the state of Iowa, which is in a deep freeze, by the way. So the, we've been t- sort of talking about weather and football, but weather and the caucuses is a real issue this year because it's probably, if not already determined to be the coldest caucus day in Iowa history. And so there are questions legit- Legitimately so, as to whether or not there is going to be an effect on turnout, if people are going to brave, essentially, the icy and, and cold weather to go out there. Now, I did live in Iowa for one year right out of college. I did. And they, uh, like the folks in Buffalo, they are a hearty people in the heartland. And so they're used to, you know, they're used to brutal winters. But um, it, it does beg the question as to whether some people will go out. It's interesting because w- we're looking at uh, the Iowa poll, which came out late Saturday night. It's it's a uh, well-regarded poll. From the Des Moines Register and NBC News, and it was the final one released before today's caucuses. 48% support among Republican caucus scores for Donald Trump, 48. And then the next was 20% for Nikki Haley and 16% Ron DeSantis. So that's uh, how the latest poll was heading into today.
4: Wow. Before you came on the air, Greg, we were talking about uh, a report on CBS News's website today that talks about, um, of course, the Iowa caucus, but also says that Nikki Haley actually would have the bigger lead over Joe Biden should she get the Republican nomination Uh, due to her drawing. They they think more moderates, more independents, more voters with college degrees than Trump does against Biden.
2: But that's not Mm going to happen. Well, okay. I think just about everybody, um, whether you're for or against Donald Trump, whether you're Republican or Democrat, just about everybody believes that, you know, based on his consistent and large margin of of difference in the polling over the last year plus in Iowa, nobody is expecting him to lose Iowa. But that's why uh, having a strong showing is really important for the top three candidates right now for different reasons. For Trump, he has been this dominant frontrunner for so long. If he were to win with a a much smaller percentage lead later tonight, for example, then that could possibly show some weakness or vulnerability. For Ron DeSantis, he has focused his, his 2024 campaign and resources almost entirely on Iowa. It's almost really? uh, a, a go big in Iowa or a go home kind of strategy. Interesting. Uh, and so his need for a strong second place finish is really important to in 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 to really keep going realistically further in the campaign. And then for Nikki Haley, which brings us to what you just asked about, is a second place showing for her would really validate this momentum that we've been hearing that she has been generating here the last few weeks. And that would put her in a position to be viewed as the Trump alternative starting in New Hampshire next week and then going to her home state of South Carolina later a few weeks down the road. So it's interesting because um, then you also have poll numbers, John and Kathy, that show how Nikki Haley. Would would uh, you know uh, you know go up against Joe Biden and how Trump would go against Biden and all of that? But right now, it's the focus today is on Iowa because uh, the caucuses are finally here. It seems like we've been talking about 2024 since about 2020, I
3: think. <laughs> we sure have. Greg Clarkson is with us, SRN News, White House correspondent. Greg, this is the Groundhog Day segment of this uh, show. Uh, talk to us about the government shutdown. <laughs>
2: Dog version indeed. So uh, this coming Friday was the first of two government um, shutdown deadlines in order for Congress to get um, some funding bills passed to keep the government operating uh, for this fiscal year. And that was that was a a device of of this new House Speaker uh, to have two deadlines. And so the first one is this is this Friday. Now, essentially, the new speaker has come up with a a spending plan, a budget bill with the Democrats in the Senate, um, and as we mentioned this time last week uh there still are some kind of hardcore fiscal conservatives who are unhappy with this approach that they still think it's uh, it's too much money that's being spent uh but at this point we're looking at um you know either passing this or we're looking at a shutdown, and um, it looks as if what's going to happen is they're still going to do another short-term temporary spending measure that will kick things to the first week of March. (laughs) So um, it looks as if they're going to probably have something in place by this week, but they're still going to need a few extra days, and in fact, just a couple of extra weeks to kind of finalize the details. But you're right, it is a groundhog version of, 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 of lawmakers' inability to do some of the basic functions of federal government, and that is to fund the government and our 12 agencies year in and year out. So we'll be talking about this again in March. (laughs) Uh, Yes, between now and March. Oh, my gosh, Greg,
4: I can't wait. That's terrific. That's uh, Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Uh, Greg, good news comes today. We understand that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin out of the hospital. um, But bad news. How is it that nobody knew that he was going to be in surgery or hospitalized in the first place?
2: Right. And by nobody, Uh, I mean
4: not even the president.
2: Not even President Joe Biden, that's right, at least until several days after um, the event happened. So, yes, we've we've just learned recently that um, in just in the last uh, few hours, uh, Lloyd Austin has been released from the hospital. He had been staying. He'd been admitted to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center um, initially a few days before Christmas to undergo um, prostate cancer Mm -hmm. surgery. And so he he went through that. Um, He eventually went home and he was home for the better part of a week and then developed a an infection, and that's when he got readmitted on New Year's Day. So until today, for the last, I mean, two weeks, he's been hospitalized. And, of course, it wasn't until four days into the new year that the White House was notified, President Biden was notified, and then the day after, uh, the rest of the country was notified publicly. And so that caused, you know, all sorts of things. He's 70 years old, the defense secretary. He has been working from the hospital room here the last few days. And uh, what we're hearing from the Pentagon is that he is going to, as he continues to recover, and his prognosis is excellent, say doctors. Uh, he is still going to be working remotely from home um, at least for the next few few days for a little while here. But this this stirred up all kinds of problems, sure. um, and the White House and the administration has is is putting out you know new protocols in place for cabinet secretaries. The Pentagon is going to be doing a review, a thirty day review, as to um, you know what kind of communication failures there were, and any number of members of Congress who were upset about this, both Democrat and Republican.
3: Well, speaking of the Secretary of Defense, the United States is on the defensive. Houthi rebels have been hit by airstrikes. Tell us the uh, the background of this story and where we are now, Greg.
2: Sure. So these Iranian-backed rebels um, who are based in Yemen, they have been really, since the Hamas massacre in Israel the first week of October, have been targeting Shipping vessels in the Red Sea, and this is a major cargo passageway um, international for international trade and so this has um, caused some concern it 's caused so far i would say minor disruptions from what we understand, but it 's raised more concerns about the safety uh, of those who are traveling in that region uh, doing their business and so it came to the point where you had the international community, including the United States a couple of weeks ago issue a formal statement of warning to this rebel group that they really need to stop or that there would be further consequences. Well, the attacks uh, did not stop. And so last week you had U.S.-led strikes along with the British military hitting a couple of dozen, almost three dozen locations and 60 targets. They sent cruise missiles and bombs and fighter jets and uh, submarine launches and all the rest. And then they followed up with an additional strike Friday night into Saturday. And so this is... Uh, This is a concern because not only are the tensions already really raw between Israel and Hamas right now, and the U.S., of course, supporting um, the Israel. Uh, fight against Hamas so far. But there's been concern as to whether this would be a a, a widening conflict in the region. And some say this is already an indication that we're we're, we're perhaps there. So we'll have to see if it gets contained or if there's more conflict yet ahead.
4: So things have been busy then for Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Uh, I know he's made several trips there uh, with Mm -hmm. the main purpose of doing exactly what you just said, um, limiting the conflict from expanding. Uh, Do you know anything about uh, the success of his mission or or any of the particulars of what he's done uh, while traveling.
2: Well, part of the real challenge, Kathy, for the administration now is there is a there is a private frustration. It's not as it's not voiced v- publicly from the White House podium or from the secretary or from the State Department. Uh, but uh, when you're talking with officials, there is this growing um, almost annoyance with um, I- the effort by Prime Minister Netanyahu to, Yahoo to not. Um, adjust the military plans so that civilian targets are not uh, really uh, hit as much as they have been so far, because there have been a lot of civilian casualties during this conflict. Now, publicly, the White House, the president, has said uh, that the, that Israel has the right to go after Hamas, that these terrorists brought this conflict to Israel's land. And so, um, so publicly, there has not been a real shift there. But there has been, with Secretary Blinken and his latest trip, there's been a real effort to try and do more in terms of from a humanitarian perspective. Um, It's hit a few roadblocks, to be honest. There hasn't been a lot of change yet in getting more humanitarian aid in. And of course, that Gaza Strip region has been decimated. Um, There are estimates that in some of the larger um, population centers in the Gaza Strip, that in some cases, 60 to 80 percent of the buildings and structures have been completely destroyed uh, by the Israeli attacks. So even if you get humanitarian aid and, and, and you know, the kind of the rebuilding process there is going to be is, is going to be immense.
3: Wow. That's an awful lot to take in, Greg. Uh, it's certainly on a, a dour Monday, not the greatest, greatest of news. But uh, always thanks for being with us.
2: My pleasure. We'll uh, keep you up to date on things happening here as the year goes on.
4: Terrific. But remember, don't send us any text messages, emails, anything about the game currently going on. Just want to reiterate.
2: (laughs) I promise. I promise. (laughs) That's Greg (laughs) Clugston with us,
4: SRN News White House correspondent.
0: Side of hand and twist of fate On a bed of nails she makes me waste And I wait without you
4: A study published, John, in the Psychology of Music, Mm. reveals that more than 86% of popular songs about relationships depict an insecure style of. (laughs) attachment. Really? Yep. Including avoidant, anxious, fearful attachment. The findings highlight the potential influence of popular music lyrics on shaping adolescents' perceptions and behaviors in romantic relationships. Okay, let me tell you this. Music consumption often drastically increases, they say, during adolescence, a period when many individuals also begin to explore romantic relationships. Mm. I think I agree with both those sure, things, of those things, right? Yeah. Previous research has demonstrated that the majority of popular music contains lyrics related to romance or sex. As adolescence is characterized by a period of rapid development, these lyrics can potentially shape adolescents' romantic behavior Mm-mm. and expectation, whether it is consciously through increased engagement with the music or unconsciously from everyday exposure to various types of media. Um, as I said, 86.2% of songs illustrated an insecure attachment. So, I mean, none of that is a newsflash. But my beef is kind of with the second half of the study or the implication of it, which is that we should do something about that.
3: What can you do about it? It's just creativity. I mean, it's just songwriters and singers performing.
4: And we've always, haven't we always, since there was popular music, had popular music that was just part of your adolescent development? Yes, yes. And I don't know how much that, like, music about insecure relationships, I don't know if that makes me have an insecure relationship. Well, do you think?
3: I think that you become what you listen to in some way that is So you think
4: it, it is cause and effect.
3: I think it informs you, right? If you're hearing something like oh don't go break in my heart, you might think, oh yeah. I wouldn't if I tried. Right. I mean, well, don't don't break my heart. That makes me anxious, right? Really? Well, yeah, I think what?
4: so. that's just that's a funny silly song. That's never made me anxious a single time. Well,
3: I just think if you listen to enough stuff like that, I'd be kind of curious about this. What about that insecure music? Has it reached a zenith? Is there more insecure music now than there has been in the the past? The study did not say that. Like, you know, are parents listening to music as opposed to. I think music
4: was always. Because you write out of your suffering, not your joy? Well, it certainly seems like, if this is correct, more of the music is written out of the suffering. I
3: think there's a lot more of that today. I do.
4: Well... Okay, so this is just talking about insecure relationships. Yes, yeah. insecure or doomed relationships. Right. Okay, what about the and uh, the propensity of pop music to be unbelievably sexually explicit? Yeah, well, there's that. And to be perpetually encouraging some sort of sexual subservience. Without of women. a doubt. I mean, I, I mean, if you think that like people are like, oh, I can't listen to heavy metal. When I tell you if you compared the lyrics of metal music to pop, metal is like nothing. Yeah. I mean, it it is truly a wretched time in musical history when you look at the lyrics of pop music right now.
3: So the, then the question is, does it influence?
4: Well, that is that like lyrical style or I don't know if even styles right. That lyrical content is so nasty in pop music, I feel like that's just corrosive to anybody that listens to it. Elton John and Kiki D doing Don't Go, oh, don't Break go Breaking My, my heart. heart. Just, I don't feel like that. Taylor I feel like Swift? The... Well, she certainly has a ton of it. I don't know. What do you think? Lexi, what do you think? Um, I think it depends. Mainly because I think that there are some music, um, like there's a lot of lyrics in... Um, Heavy metal uh, music that is also not great. Yeah, you're, right. Heard, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Not family friendly. Right. Yeah, but uh, I think it just kind of. A lot of the times, I think a lot of music is produced um, quantity over quality. And so I think you just need to find the quality in the quantity, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Were yeah. you ever affected
3: in your relationship by music? By no, lyrics? Not at
4: all. At least I don't think I was. Do Maybe think, I was Ken, and I Ken, didn't realize it. I don't think so. I really don't think. But again, s- music I would I would classify as kind of fun or silly or whatever is just different than the n- the nasty stuff
3: that we hear today.
4: And m- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe do you think that's different Lex? Uh <laughs> not Sure, I, I don't, don't know.
3: Okay, the All rise right. of do, do you users. know
4: the song? Don't I know so much, don't I? <laughs> do you know the song Don't Go Breaking My Heart by yeah, Elton John and Kiki D?
3: Well, of course, you're gonna know that. It's like, yeah.
4: I think a lot of people don't know that. It's what, it's, what? A fa- it's my favorite song by Elton John, is it really? Not even close, no There's kidding. No, the second one isn't even close. Kiki D, I like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but it's way down the list, yeah, because that's a silly song. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, no, I mean,
3: Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Oh, Road. yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I do think that the music you listen to forms your view of things, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, a worldview or a romantic view. I do. I think that, you know, they're inescapable, especially in an adolescent mind.
4: So does there therefore then?
3: Well, I think if you hear negative or putrid lyrics and you're listening to that a lot. okay. what
4: if you're just hearing sad lyrics?
3: I think that that it would make you sad.
4: Okay, like play this out, Lex. Like, is this song going
0: to...
3: Yeah, yeah, that's Bonnie Raitt. Oh. Don't you love her? <laughs> she's very
4: sad. This, she, this is such a great song.
3: But Bonnie Raitt, if you know her, she's gone from one sort of broken relationship with rockers to another. And she uses that as a palette to, to write from. And of course, it, every every person and especially a woman audience who hears that and goes, yeah, that guy, I know that guy, he did that to me too. You're going to carry that. But is that bad? No, I'm not saying it's bad. It's a shared heartbreak. fractious political environment, often dominated by the loudest voices on the left and the right, a lot of people were saying, count us out. Pew has a new survey called Tuning Out, Americans on the Edge of Politics, and last month they talked to a a large cross-section of Americans who are not strongly attached to either political party. They don't follow news about politics or government, though some feel guilty when they don't. But by and large, they look at the nation's politics as a topic better avoided than embraced. Now, of course, today, with the first votes of the 2024 election about to be cast, these are the people whose voices are largely overlooked. And so Pew conducted six focus groups of adults who have soured on politics and political news. And so here are some of the things that those people, those six focus groups, hundreds and hundreds of Americans, told Pew. This is a big. That these people have a sense that politics is everywhere and often in a bad way. Hmm. They find themselves overwhelmed by how much information they confront in their day-to-day life. Here's a sampling. Somebody says, go on social media, and politics stuff just pops up. No matter where you go on the Internet, there's always some kind of an ad or something that pops up having to do with politics, and I don't want to look at it. You don't know what to believe. It's so much information to soak in that you sometimes don't know if this stuff is true or not. I think that's true, right? Yep, yes. Whether you follow politics closely or not, you kind of go, consider the source. That's true. Pew also said this. Their respondents said many, but not all, of these people vote. And while they acknowledge that they could be more engaged with following politics, many say that they have no desire to. Or they say it's important to avoid the topic to protect their mental health. Oh,
5: okay. once, some,
3: once somebody said... Um, You just get tired of the arguing, the bickering back and forth and watching political ads during this season. They just kind of put you off, too. So I'm I'm still going to vote, but I don't see myself getting more engaged in the process. Quite honestly, I'm exhausted by the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. Pew also said this, that most are frustrated with the two parties. They often don't feel represented by either party or feel that the parties are too extreme, left or right. And while some would prefer for there to be no parties at all, others wish that there were more than two parties that were deeply engaged that had a stake in the conversation. Someone said, quote, I believe that a lot of politicians do go into it with good intentions and they think they're going to do good and they can do this or that. But when they get involved with the worst politicians, little by little, they see that this goodness starts to erode. I think they just fall in line, basically, with the others and become part of that group. There is no doubt about that, right? You see that happen in Washington all the time. Pew also said that many of the participants in the, in the study pointed to the vitriol and the negativity in politics today, noting that there is too much fighting and not enough things that are being done on issues that are important to everyday people. Amen to that, right? too much. Just physically always a spin, a spin, a spin. And how do they change politics? That was the big question. Their ideas, these people who responded, run the gamut. While some discussed changes to the Electoral College, term limits, or reducing the role of money in politics, others said they simply would like more choices, less negativity, and more progress on the important issues. Wow. That's a lot to take in. People are speaking their mind. And I think, you know, here we are. Today is Iowa. Mm -hmm. The first foray into 2024. People are just tired,
4: exhausted by it. Listen, we haven't even started.
3: It feels as though we never stopped.
4: Uh, Yeah, that's the problem. That is the problem. Politics is everywhere in a bad way. Yep. What those people were saying that every time you go on social media, there's... I mean, Twitter has been a political cesspool for a decade Now I barely go on it because I just can't stand it because I'm trying to preserve my mental health, just like the people in the study. Right. right? They avoid politics to protect their mental health. And even though they're avoiding politics, this is interesting. It's not that it's going to keep them from voting, but it's going to keep them from consuming all of this other stuff.
3: I think that's the safe, sanest way to be, right? Yeah, I do too. If you can step away from it, anytime you see it, and then you read yourself, right? You engage with the with the points as you get closer to the election. Otherwise, it just becomes your whole life.
4: Yeah, right. The frustration with the two party system.
3: One hundred percent.
4: Man, it's so it's so right. I, I just. I don't know how you don't you with, can't. with an electoral college system, you can't have more no. than two parties because nobody would have enough votes to win.
3: Generally, a third party candidates, the spoiler, right. right? When somebody runs independently, they're just going to siphon votes away from the left or the right. That's
4: Right. All. So um, I think it's also a, a, a mature, wise assessment that politicians go into this with good intentions. I think it's easier to say every politician is, you know, corrupt. I don't think that's true, but I think that this Pew study shows that most people think that the good intentions just get worn away by the horror of the, you know, daily swamp that they're in.
3: Well, now we live in the age of the celebrity politician who... Like AOC or George Mm -hmm. Santos, people who had really no political heft or leaning or true interest. Or knowledge. Yeah. I mean, AOC was a bartender. George Santos... Who knows what the heck he was, right? But they go into it to become famous or wealthy. And, of course, that's what Sadly, happens. it seems to work. More often than not, people go in on one income level and then they ascend to this multimillion status because, you know, lobbying groups and whatnot. People get very rich very quickly in politics. It's just an ugly, dirty business. So you can understand why people don't want to have anything to do with it. But at the same time, it's important because here locally, you want to engage here locally, right? Right. What's happening in your township or your That's borough? That's the
4: most important thing to you. Of course it you. Is. Yes. The most that affects import- you the most. Yes. Then it, much more so than whoever the next president is.
3: But whether it's the city of Pittsburgh or Allegheny County or the state of Pennsylvania, You still feel as though you want to have some say in what's going on, even though it feels a lot more distant than it's been in the past.
4: Which is weird, because you'd think with all the information that we have access to, that we would feel more informed and more ready to be able to deal in local and state and national politics. But I echo what this study shows, is that there's too much information to take in. And people say, you don't know what to believe. Right. You don't know what to believe. And we do this for a job. Right. And, we, and I have a hard time. You know, that's why I feel like my only safety is reading a bunch of different news sources, because it's very hard to know what reality is. I mean, I understand that you can't get rid of bias. I very much recognize that Um, because we'd all like to think that we're unbiased when we talk about issues and none of us are. But if you read a bunch of different news sources, then, you know, I try to read five or six a day. Now, you're thinking, I know that that's my job. And so you might be thinking, look, listening to this thing. Well, that's ridiculous. I don't have time for that. And I get that. But maybe just pick a couple that are different. Like maybe read The Wall Street Journal and maybe read NPR. (laughs) I know. I don't or maybe check out the Washington Post. Just you,
3: But you know <clears throat> See that's the problem. If you read enough of them you go yeah, I know. these guys are so far left. I know. I mean I, I don't trust what they have to say. I know. Especially their opinion writers.
4: Right. Good. Listen, when the when the uh maybe 2 weeks ago, so the Israel Hamas war was already underway. Yeah. I pulled up a website that I use, a news website that I use regularly, and I read the opening article and I was like, "Come on." Right
3: from the Come get-go on. that's from just the, that's the, not right. You're
4: right. From the very fr- I'm not debating their information. I'm debating the fact that it's an opinion piece yeah. that's written as reporting. Yep. It's not reporting. You know, I, I yeah, so it's frustrating. But if you but if you read across a wider section
3: then or, you have some idea what you're wading into.
4: Don't you? And yes. you, Hopefully it would it would give us a greater chance of getting at the truth.
3: At the same time, when you see people who are like going, I'm done with it. I don't want to know about it until I have to know about it. Who can you blame. nod your head and you go, yeah, that's exactly it. Because it's a mess. So perhaps like a lot of you, I I watched a a few football games this weekend, Mm -hmm. which, to be honest... Most of them were a total disappointment. Yeah. Although it was sure great to see Cleveland and Dallas.
4: It was. Wasn't it? It was, but... (laughs) It was so bad yeah. that I, I mean...
3: You lose interest. Huh? Yeah. Right. When i
4: I moved to sympathy for the Browns and the Cowboys, mm. you know it's bad. Yeah,
3: it was bad. So, uh, you know, for those of us who have spouses who tolerate but are not necessarily enthused, I kind of feel like, okay. So last night we were like, um, I said to my wife, you want to watch 60 Minutes? How about that? Sim 60 Minutes. And she was like, okay. So there we are. We're watching, you know, the first segment in 60 Minutes. We go to a commercial break. And then... This very curious ad popped up, which caught me by surprise. Check this out. Hi, I'm Ron Reagan, an unabashed atheist. And I'm alarmed, as you may be, by the intrusions of religion into our secular government. That's why I'm asking you to join the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the nation's largest and most effective association of atheists and agnostics, working to keep state and church separate, just like our
1: founders intended. Please, join the Freedom From Religion Foundation today. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. Yikes. Wow.
3: <laughs> okay, I mean I I get the freedom from religion foundation, mm-hmm. right? I get their perspective. Okay. Yeah. I
4: mean they're allowed to have it. Sure.
3: Not afraid of burning in hell?
4: I mean that we could yeah, I think that that little tagline is a little upsetting. That's a little rough there.
3: Uh L- lifelong atheist. Sure. Which is interesting. So I, I saw the spot. Then I started to read about Ron Reagan. He said that when he was 12 years old, he said to his dad, I'm not going to church again. I'm just, I'm not, I can't do this, dad. And his dad said, okay. And so he said throughout the course of my father's life, he would check in and say, you still feel that way? And Ron Reagan would say, yep, Okay, so he said to their credit, both his mother and father never tried to dissuade him mm. from the atheist perspective that that was there was a lot of god talk in their house, but that didn 't necessarily mean he had to be part of it okay but now, of course. He's a supporter of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They use this. This is an older ad. It's been around for at least four or five years. And this pops up occasionally. Originally, 60 Minutes declined to air this ad. But then over the course of a couple of years, they said, "Okay, we can do this. So the ad does pop up on network television from time to time.
4: I mean, he's from a famous family. And people are going to listen to him. I, th- I think it's fine. I I, I don't think that uh, it has benefited uh, Christianity to be immersed in politics no. throughout all of history. I'm not just talking the USA. Uh,
3: but not afraid to burn him.
4: You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, but that – I mean, that's his own. He's just doing that. To, I mean, he, that's his attention getting, you know, closing salvo. It gets your attention. It does get your attention. Right? But – He what he's advocating is France, which is a completely secular state that isn't the founding fathers were never in favor of a freedom from religion. No, that was never what they set up. They set up a freedom of religion. Big difference, right? A freedom to worship yes. as you want, not a separation, not a don't get at me with your worship type of thing, or there can be absolutely no mention thereof. That's just, that's historically inaccurate. I think that's, I think that's, he's trying to get a cheap point to people who don't really, you know, know what the founding documents say.
3: So since that ad has aired nationally, of course, the freedom for religion people have said, oh, our membership has gone through the roof." Because we know now that more people are atheists in this country than they've ever been. It's fine. So, I mean,
4: they can be atheists.
3: Yeah. It's just interesting to think about that mainstream. I mean, I think about Cy Gart often. Cy's a regular guest on our show. Yeah. And his Biochemist. atheistic viewpoints and how corrosive that was in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just you wonder about the absence of that and the leaning into burning in hell. That's a scary place to live. It's sad.
2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: Hey, good afternoon and welcome. Thanks for coming along for the five o'clock hour of the Ride Home. We're officially in an embargo status.
4: That's right. Do not we, we have not opened our phones, mm. our any TVs computer are TVs are not on. We we know nothing about what's going on in the Steeler game mm. because we're going home to watch it. Plus, I'm a nervous wreck and I need to focus on my work.
3: <laughs> Don't you hate this? Well, why do you like football so I much? Know. And you, 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 this is like an emotional state it you is. get revved up into. And then if, if you, the Steelers win, you go, whew, okay, good. And if they lose, you go, grr. I mean, it's the worst. Sports are weird.
4: I'm not sure why we do this to ourselves. I love the weekend because you can watch games in a wonderfully detached fashion. Mm -hmm. You can appreciate great performances. You can, you know, do what you have to do as in like, you know, casting aspersions on the Cleveland Browns or whatever it is that makes you happy, but you don't have your heart in it.
3: No, but now you do.
4: 430. And and what are we going to do for dinner? Let me bring it up again. We have, so we're, we're. I'm going home. I'll get home 6.30, 6.45, at which point I'll turn on my recording of the game. Yeah. I, I'm supposed to eat dinner during that? I can't do that. I'll be sick.
3: i got to eat something because then you're sick otherwise. No, you're just going to sit there and take it in. And, you know, you can kind of see like, you know, when you like, start to watch the first quarter and you sort of see early trends happening.
4: Isn't yeah. that awful?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awful. How about you? Did you watch
4: the Detroit game yesterday, last night? No. Oh, my gosh. It was the only good one. I know it was. No,
3: it was the only game I did not watch. Oh,
4: the Lions and Rams. That was such a good game. 24-23, I know. And it was the first time they've ascended. Since 1991. If if you're 65 and under, you have seen the Detroit Lions win one playoff game. Oh, my gosh. Well, now two. (sighs) See, I mean. Oh, it was incredible! That was so much fun. I love it. I love football. Yeah, I do too. It's so dangerous. It's very it's tense. Awfully violent. I, man, I love it. Was T.J. Watt was playing? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Yep. I know. I mean, to say we're the underdogs is yeah. I mean, we're just saying what everyone wants. So knows. I hope
3: that you know. <laughs> Look, both of us are. So... Let, let there be a fighting chance. I mean, yes. I don't want there to be like we get pummeled immediately, right? Come on, Steelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the weather's in our favor. Josh. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, even though it's not going to be catastrophic weather like it would have been yesterday in Buffalo,
3: no. it's still going to be terribly cold and sure. wretched. So a very tight game. Now, I know we made the, we made predictions on Friday's show. Yeah, we did. But yeah. I was way well, out. Are we going to
4: stick with those?
3: Well, I, I like to redo it. Twi- would you? Yeah. Like,
4: oh, I don't know if that's allowable. Yeah, can I? I have
3: those. I mean, well,
4: okay, maybe at the end of the show we can redo. Okay. Okay. Because it's... Let me tell you what was said. Oh, I, um, I thought
3: about this several times, and I thought that was wildly. I mean, that was crazy. Why was I even thinking about
4: doing? Yeah, that? you said Steelers twenty four twenty one. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Lexi said Steelers twenty one thirteen. See, that's too much. I said Steelers thirteen ten.
3: Yeah, that's closer in line. Okay. Yeah, I think it is. But
4: anyway, yeah. we'll we'll revisit that. I, I, I need to bring this up because I talked about it at the top of the show at four o'clock. And if you missed any of our four o'clock hour, mm-hmm. of course, you can always get the podcast. Um, you're wearing Steeler gear. Who I am. Yes. yes I am. Who I am. Yeah. Listen, I, I couldn't have been more. Sh- if I walked in and you were wearing purple plaid pants, what?
3: I couldn't have been more shocked. No way. I mean, I thought to myself, I can't walk in there this year. I mean, first time in a while here. I need to represent.
4: I'm just thrilled. So, My heart swells. And It's minor. I mean, it's a minor. It's a nice it's a, shirt. It's a polo shirt. It doesn't have to be a jersey. It doesn't have to be something crazy. You just have to, you it know, is, move the mojo forward with your nice own shirt. choice of. Right. Yeah. And did you go and get it at Dick's? Or I did at, not. I you did.
3: didn't? No. Again, I took your advice. I mean, Dick's
4: is a fine, fine. thing. Good. You know, if you want to want to get it, you know, at finish line or any of your Yeah. You know, Rally at, house. Right.
3: But i have so little invested in the you know the fashion choice, wanting to spend fifty, sixty, a hundred, or more on whatnot, right? Right. So I took your advice. I went to the Red, White, and Blue thrift store <laughs> on Fifty One.
4: Yes, you did.
3: Walked in the corner, Which saw is a it. Very nice thrift it's store. It's a fine store. It was super crowded. That place cranks. You know that? I love it there. What is Red, White, and Blue anyway? Don't know. I mean, th- I've no been idea. around.
4: That store's probably been around since the '50s. You know that? Probably the one on Sixty Five. Yeah. Is in a new building, hmm. you know, newish building over the last tech. You it's know, red, white, five, and blue. Yeah, five or six years, but I'm not sure if it's always been there. If it was in another location or what? That place. Man, I like it. Ten bucks. Did you pay?
3: Ten bucks. Ten dollars
4: cash. So worth it, mm-hmm. John. Oh, I feel good. You you look terrific. Thank you. I feel and good. And you hang you hung a terrible towel on the wall. Yeah, it's good. Man, this everything's coming together. I mean, I'm a, I'm a diehard Steeler
3: fan. Yeah, I mean, I've loved them forever. Right. I just you know the apparel, the paraphernalia. Kind of meh.
4: Okay, but you're br- but today that's fine. I feel good. I'm not expecting you to come in with a hat and socks and everything else. Oh
3: I am wearing socks, I'm wearing some black and gold socks too. What? Yeah I've got those. Why'd
4: you get those of the red, white, and blue?
3: Actually that was a Christmas present. Very nice. I don't even yeah. know you. I looked in the sock drawer and I was like, "Oh, there's my new socks."
4: I'll wear I do not today. know who I'm talking All to.
3: Right. Hey, wait, uh, we got a Valentine's dinner oh, cruise. We sure do. Coming, coming up, up
4: Friday, February sixteenth, not the fourteenth, because the fourteenth is amateur night.
3: Right, sixteenth, and you think uh, like this is? We did this last year. It was a blast. This year we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Last year we're like, "Holy smokes, we're going to freeze on that boat." We didn't freeze at all.
4: We had such a good time. It was really
3: a lot of fun. So we've been on the, uh, the Gateway. Is it what is it? Empress. Empress. It's a big ship. Yes. Hundreds of people on board. Kath and I will be your host and hostess, Mm -hmm. and look forward to having you join us. Friday, February 16th, a night out on the Three Rivers, featuring a great dinner, fabulous views of the city, fun and fellowship as well. Fairly inexpensive for a Valentine dinner.
4: And if you have a Valentine, please bring them. But if you don't have a Valentine, then bring a friend bring come a child bring a parent yeah. bring whoever you want to bring somebody called in and said can i bring my kids what I said yeah all
3: right wordfm.com. I said, yeah, are you me
4: why wouldn't you bring your kids come on yeah
3: come on out there wordfm.com uh, we would say do it sooner rather than later because of course there's always people going to go oh you guys are sold out okay wordfm.com february the 16th the valentine's dinner cruise We'll take a quick break.
4: Yep. And in addition to it being a Steeler Monday, it's also MLK Day. So we're going to have two good friends of ours come in. Let's talk about MLK a little bit, about um, the legacy of MLK, and about what it looks like to be a cross-cultural church. That's next. It's the Steeler edition. The Ride home. So today being not only Steeler Monday but also uh, Martin Luther King Day, uh, we've decided to take this time to uh, talk to two of our friends who've been on the show a bunch of times um, who we trust. Because a lot of conversations that you have about race, about ethnicity, about whatever, um, can go south so fast if you don't trust the people in the room. Um, but we love these two guys and we're always happy to have them. It's Chris Moran and Eddie Jones from Eternal City Church in Wilkinsburg. You guys- Guys, welcome hey, in. Hey, welcome hey thanks for having hey, us
1: again. Hey. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Now Appreciate before
4: it. we talk about MLK, I'm just gonna say again, there's a Steeler blackout. We're not, we're not talking about the game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We don't want to know anything that's happening. Okay. We're just going to be blissfully ignorant until we get home at six forty-five PM and turn on our recordings.
5: Okay. All okay. Right. Cool. All right. All
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> and before the end of the show, wait, do, you don't know what's happening either. The two of you.
3: Nothing going on. Okay. Right nothing. Way. Okay. Nothing.
4: So, okay, great. So we're going to get your Steeler picks before the end of the game or before the end of the show.
3: Okay. Or so just think face. on that. Okay. No money changing hands. No money changing <laughs> But
4: there might be some respect that's gained or lost. Oh, okay. All right. Depending All right. on how it goes. Anyway. Okay. You guys, let's talk um, MLK Day. So uh, MLK, how much of an impact did the man and his writings have on you guys? Eddie, can I start with you?
5: Sure. Um, well, obviously, very important, big impact, um, considering uh, what he did for this country and um, um, the movement that was started as a result of him um, that made uh, some major changes in our in our uh, country as far as laws and things like that. And so, so yeah, so obviously um, I'm a benefactor of that, yeah. <laughs> you know, as a black man in America. So obviously it had a great impact um, on my life um, historically. You
4: mm-hmm. know,
5: yes, as a man, as a
4: black yeah. man
5: in America, yeah. yeah. Chris. Yeah, I, I think when I
1: first read Letters from Birmingham, I was impacted greatly, mm. uh and then watching the movie the Selma movie mm. um being a bit younger than eddie and and uh Eddie and I actually went to the the fiftieth anniversary of his death right we were there uh when the when the timer hit really? at really? the site at the Lorraine hotel, and so what was that like uh, It was impactful, yeah, I mean. Yeah. In, in some sense, it felt a little dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, you were, I was waiting for something bad to happen. I don't know why. Just tons and tons of people. He couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully, nothing did happen yeah. except prayer yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and rejoicing. Um, but yeah, the more I learn about MLK and his impact, I appreciate him more and more, especially mm-hmm. his nonviolence approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at a time when violence was being offered from the other side, uh, he, his nonviolent approach is inspiring and how he coached the people he was leading to also be nonviolent and to if you can't be nonviolent, you can't be a part of this movement was his yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Yes.
5: yes, I, I read um, when I went to the um, National Park, uh, MLK National Park in Atlanta last summer, I bought a copy of uh, the I Have a Dream Preak. Speech. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I read it this morning. And he, they mentioned that in the speech that um, everybody who was a member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference had to sign this document saying that they were committed to nonviolence and other other things as well. But they had to sign that. And if they didn't sign it, they weren't allowed to be a part, mm-hmm. you know, which says a lot about his commitment to that, as yeah. you were saying, Chris. Good. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And being a a Christian pastor, you know, he wasn't a theologian like we would read, you know, a systematic theology from him, but his convictions were informed by the Bible. And so we should not let that be lost on why, what was the underneath motivation. He had scripture, you know, to back up what he was doing and the Imago Dei as his, you know, grounding theological principle for why equality should exist. And he was right.
5: Right. Right. And he often quoted those verses, you know, too, in his speeches.
4: You know. It's not until, I think, uh, you sit down and read his words that you recognize how divergent he is from how we are now. Mm. Just mm. his mm. manner, like the way that he argued his points mm-hmm. wasn't through emotion. Mm. It was really through reason.
5: Yes, yes. And, and scripture, so. so. like you're saying. And scripture. Yes. And
4: we... We are amped up now. And we're so amped up that we're kind of dumb. Mm. In, like when you compare us in, to him, right. yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel kind of dumb. Yeah. Mm. I feel like we, our society has gotten stupider mm. from mm. where we were then yeah. because, so, man, he could bring it.
5: And, and when you read the letter from the Birmingham jail and the I Have a Dream speech, you see that logic. he yes. like, was just so reasonable and it just made so much sense. Yeah, right, <laughs>
0: yeah. right,
3: right. You
5: know what I'm saying? You know?
3: yeah. I mean, and, and for me, to, you know, for outside looking in in some way, the idea of MLK was he, he always talked about color blindness. Right? And we've moved beyond colorblindness now. Um, I think, you know, there's a, been a shift in tone in how we look at each other. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's not probably for the better.
5: What do you think? I'll let Eddie talk first. <laughs> but let me ask you a question first. What do you mean by colorblindness?
3: Well, we don't look at a person by the color of their skin. Okay.
5: okay. Right. Right. Right.
3: Um, and I think now, I think we, we're more fractured. I think, I remember, you know, Post Obama, there was a there was a a, a drive tray, a post racial period. Mm-hmm. I think that you know we're more divided racially. I think when we've ever yeah,
5: out. sadly yeah. And
3: I true. I don't understand where that comes from. I mean, has it been social media? It's always you know it's kind of like you know mm-hmm. the overriding factor. But people are more angry and disconnected from race now. Your church. It's intentional. You bring bringing mm-hmm. black and white together, right. so you could obviously speak a lot deeper. This is just me in my reading mm-hmm. and my day to day. I think mm-hmm. the idea of color blindness is gone.
5: Do we, yeah, re- I don't think people. Well, I, would, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but a lot of people don't adhere to that. You know, um, I think I, I would say that most people do, or at least try to, um, to live their lives in, in, in the way that okay, when I when I'm talking with you or dealing with you, I'm not c- taking your your um, Race into consideration, you know. I'm just talking to you as a as a human. Not that I don't see that or acknowledge that. You can't help but it. But right, exactly. Um, but I don't. I don't make my decisions based on that. Mm. And that's how we should live our lives. And that was Martin's whole point in, yes. in part, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so most people, I think, do try to live like that. Of course, you have some who don't. Coconut. You know, and that's 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 unfortunate and sad. Um, but that is the biblical model even, too, because race, even biblically, is, is, is not how we define it in our culture. Right, I mean, right. it is a racial construct, you know. Um, so in Eternal City, you're attracting a diverse group of people,
3: people who are intentional and in looking at black and white together. Can you talk about that? Right,
1: right. Yeah, I, I think tying it into the last question. Uh, King's version of colorblind was the content of character, not right. the color of skin. That's a good colorblindness. Mm-hmm. A bad colorblindness would be like trying to erase ethnic distinctions that are mm-hmm. good right. and sure. cultural and beneficial, without and, a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I think you that's. Can't. A I mean, that's impossible to do right. that, right? Why would right. I want to do yeah. that in the first place? Right. 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 Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. So,
4: Plus, so God th- gives us a window into the fact that in the city that comes out of heaven, we're in tribes, right? That's we right. have right. Yeah. tribes, mm-hmm. languages, peoples, nations. That's not. That must not be a bad thing, right? right. Exactly. What do you you see, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, So I, I think
1: as we make those helpful distinctions and tell people they're valuable, which they know it inherently, but give them the theological underpinning of the Imago Dei, and that you know, constantly pointing back to the beginning. There's one race. We all come from the same two people. And then that's re, you know, instated by Paul in Acts 17. From one nation he, ma- or from one man, he made all nations of men. So, so bringing us to that biblical underpinning that we are the same, imago dei, image bearing. Uh, human beings, but we do have ethnic distinctions and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And we should never allow our ethnic distinctions to take primary identity Mm -hmm. because if we do, that's where we run into Mm -hmm. a lot of problems. So for us, it's, I think we deal with it through the lens of the gospel, meaning because we're in Christ, that takes primary identity, not our ethnicity, not our ethnic distinctions. We're in Christ before we're black or white or Asian or whatever. Excellent. Yeah.
3: So then within the conversations, I mean, there you are together. You're together worshiping on a Sunday and you're just like any other church because there's Jesus in the middle. But what does that separation look like? Conversations about race or culture or whatever's happening in the news. That's got to be different. I mean, do you go there um, at Eternal City mm-hmm. happily or is that something that's forced upon you?
5: Eddie? No, well, we, we go there when it's needed and necessary. mm mm-hmm. You know, we don't force it. I mean, we don't talk about it all the time, but we do go there when it's needed and necessary, especially if we're dealing with a particular uh, topic or text in the Bible um, we we can't ignore that. We have to deal with it. And and like we always say, we're we're a church where we um, teach um, expositionally. So we exposit the, the text, and so we go through books of the Bible primarily verse by verse. Yeah. And so we can't skip any. <laughs> you know, we can't skip the difficult ones the hard because passages. the hard passages, whether it's about race or sex or whatever uh, you know a hot button issue sure. is, we can't skip it. We deal with it. Um, hopefully with integrity and with honesty and from a biblical standpoint. And so it's the same thing with race, and we have to do that. Um, So no, we don't shy from it at all. Um, It's controversial, and it can be controversial and difficult to deal with, but we trek through with the grace of God.
1: Yeah, and a lot of pastoral conversations um, you have opportunity to listen and to ask good clarifying questions, right. which you don't get the opportunity on social media to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so what do you mean by that? You know, what do you mean by that? Or help me understand that. And the that's awkwardness, really all that. Yeah. So sitting down with with Eddie or another, you know, potential member or members of the church and having these discussions where we're looking each other in the eye, yeah. asking clarifying questions, knowing that I'm for you, you're for me. That is so helpful versus making statements that are probably going to be misinterpreted and could be inflammatory. Mm-hmm. But as Eddie says when you're preaching, it is kind of a one-way we're talking yeah, if we're the preacher, right. but because we've been doing this for so long, we're very careful because we've made some mistakes, stepped on some landmines, yeah. had to apologize, had to like calm people down, and all that.
5: And and because the people are the people, the congregation knows us as pastors and knows what our heart is concerning yeah. these issues. Um, when it comes up, I don't think they're scared or nervous right. about it because they know what our position is. You've tried this our, before, yeah, 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 and it's in our um, our commitment statement as a church, and so. And and we're grateful for them because they're on board. You know, our people on board, they're not bucking against the system, if you will, and bucking right. against our our standards and uh, so and so that helps. That helps. That makes it easier.
1: One of our core commitments is unifying peoples and when then we say cultures, classes, colors, capacities. And then we ground that in the Imago Day and say all people are valuable, Genesis one, twenty six and twenty seven. And regardless of our colors or the culture we come from or what we can do and not do we are valuable in God's sight; therefore, we value you, and we want to live out this biblical unity we have in Christ. And so, that's going to look like a lot of good conversations, hanging out together, meals, doing life together. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah.
4: and yet, as someone who's been a visitor mm-hmm. at your church, I there's I don't get that race is an the, overriding thing. No, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a diverse group right. which right. i appreciate it's, and i can't i can't get into a like a pure visitors place cuz i know you both mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but my family were pure visitors cuz right. right. you know mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they didn't know you at all chris mm-hmm. and they you know don't know you as well as i know you and there's no poli- it's just it's you don't feel like race is the reason people are there right, right. or That being multicultural is the reason people are there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It makes it. It seems to me when I walk in, the people are there because they believe in Jesus, and then those kinds of cultural things are an outgrowth Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And I and I think that is kudos to both of you because Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know that when those things get flipped, Mm -hmm. when whatever your agenda is, when that Mm -hmm. becomes number one,
1: right. But to go back, this is the core of MLK. Right. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. What he was trying to do was create that environment where both black and white people could be together and to be valued the same and have same opportunities and same respect levels and whatnot. Yeah.
5: yeah, And that and that um, obviously there was a path to get there to that. He had to go through some hurdles and and mountains and hills because one of the things that he had to try to convince America of, for lack of a better term, was the dignity of black people yeah um one the one of my theological heroes Carl, Carl Ellis says there were three things that black people um were struggling with in particular at that time, and needed to be assur- have assurance of dignity, identity, and significance, mm-hmm. which in America historically we didn 't have mm-hmm. dignity, identity, and significance, and so those are the things that Martin was trying to uh um uh, like I said, convince America that black people had inherently as the uh, image bearers of, of God was dignity, identity, and significance. And so that is still today is something that needs to be reiterated for all people. And so as a church um, that is multi-ethnic, multi- multicultural, and, and and black people still, I would say, in one sense, need to be assured of their, of their dignity, their identity, and their significance in America. Wow. And so that's, I think that's something that still continues to need to be reiterated because historically it's been not acknowledged. And that was been, has been stolen from us. And so um, today, as we celebrate Martin Luther King, we need to be reminded of everybody's dignity, identity, mm-hmm. and significance in America.
4: That's Eddie Jones. We're also here with Chris Moran. Uh, John and I are talking uh, MLK Day today. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation about what it means to be a church together and be different. It's next in The Right Home.
3: Maternal City Church in the Wilkinsburg neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Pastors Chris Moran and Eddie Jones join us on Martin Luther King Day.
4: You guys, I um, I was reading letter from uh, Birmingham today, and uh, there was a part, I mean, I was going to say there are parts that jumped out at me. It, so many parts jump out at me, and it's different parts each year when I read it. And for those of you listening who've never read it, it is so worthwhile.
5: Amen. I
4: mean, and it, to me, it was just. It inspires me anew each time because of the kindness mm-hmm. with which he writes. Mm-hmm. He's writing from a terrible circumstance, mm-hmm. a result of, of absurd bigotry over such a long period of time. And he is truly what we keep talking about today. The love your enemy approach mm-hmm. is is at the forefront of his mind. It's part of his character. I'm not saying the man was perfect. Sure. Mm, okay, so not, don't yeah. misread me and say, oh, well, she just thinks that I'm. Okay, never did anything. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in this letter, if you read it, I believe you will be changed by it. Mm. Um, if if you're not changed by the arguments, you'll be changed by the attitude. Um, but I, I do want to read this part. Um, and this is not going to be new to you. But. He says, moreover, I'm cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Never again can we afford to live with the narrow, provincial, quote, outside agitator idea. Mm. Anyone who lives inside the U.S. can never be considered an outsider anywhere within its bounds.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. It's good.
5: That's good. I mean, to
4: me, to me, that's powerful simply because of how broken we have become in our identity politics and Mm -hmm. our little Mm -hmm. silos. Right. Mm -hmm. Not just politics, but whether you're talking about your economic state or your neighborhood or your whatever it is, people are angry and they Mm -hmm. take Mm -hmm. solace in the people that are just like them Mm -hmm. and then reach out in anger against those that are not Um, MLK to me when I read this today said, I have to remember that whatever affects one directly affects all of us mm-hmm. indirectly. Right. Um, and I'm not trying to, to speak like a socialist. I'm trying to speak like a realist mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think that's the truth. But
3: here's yeah. the thing. At the time, mm-hmm. people nodded their head and said yes. But it took an assassination for people to sit up in their mm-hmm. chair and go, mm-hmm. oh, th- mm-hmm. that was right. That mm-hmm. is, That is true. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're talking about this decades after the fact. Right, right,
5: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the other things I, 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 know, I love about that letter, too, is how he dealt with um, people's admonition for him to wait. Mm, you yeah. know, and yeah. they said, oh, you, you, just yeah, wait a wait little, while. A little you'll, while. You'll be fine. You'll, and, and how he dealt with that and the reason why we can't wait. No. That was brilliant, it was brilliant to me. It was brilliant. And if you haven't read that, please yeah. read that but part. But again,
4: not unkind.
5: Not unkind. And not
4: know. full of vitriol or yeah. violence yes, no, or anything
5: no. like that. No, no, no. He just gave valid, logical, biblical reasons why we can't wait for this we've waited long enough his logic was put yourself in my shoes in our shoes and would you be willing to wait would you be willing to wait exactly yeah Yeah. and he talked about his kids um driving kids past the amusement park and and the kids wanting to go and and telling them why they can't go and that kind of thing and you want us to still wait you know that kind of thing it was it was just brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. it's brilliant.
1: It's hard to imagine that that
5: was real. Yeah, and that was yeah. not
1: that long ago. No, yeah. you know, certainly we yeah. still have some 50s. cultural PSD from right. from those days, even yeah. though it, we're so far away from that. Right. But yeah.
3: Separation it's, and exclusion. I mean, it seems mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: OK, so when you hear uh, these ideas about we're tied together in a single garment of destiny, um, how does that strike you?
1: Mm. I I think it speaks to our our common experience as human beings and as sinners in need of a savior. Um, But then also, uh, we all experience the brokenness of the world. Um, But in certain times and in certain places, people experience it more. And I think for MLK and the African-Americans until, you know, up until I think recent days, there has been a negative View a worldview put on African-Americans in a way that was just untrue. A lot of stereotypes were believed. And I'm thankful that, you know, in 2024, a lot of that has shifted, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, especially post Floyd, a lot has shifted. I mean, tremendous attitude change has, has happened, but it took a long time. And I think that what King was doing, uh, he was, he was planting those seeds. Um, Unfortunately, a lot has also gone south. You know, as far as the anger and like the the violence that's uh, sometimes in the heart, vengeance. Uh, but if you have a Christian worldview, then you can apply scripture and, ad, you know, admonish scripture. Vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. I shall repay, you know, says the Lord. Forgive as you've been forgiven, et cetera. Uh, Eddie, what do you think?
5: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, um I'm sorry. What was the question again? <laughs>
4: yeah, about us being tied together in a single garment of oh. destiny.
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's. I don't. I, I don't think you can avoid that. I mean, we, we may try to to separate in that sense. I mean.
4: Oh, but that's going to happen whether we want it. To yeah, or
5: not. yeah, yeah. Especially when you when you are oppressing people, just like you, you get a, a cat in a corner who'll lash out at you, or any animal, you know. And so, as uh, sooner or later. People are going to rise up and lash out against the oppression and right. whatever form that may, that may come. And so, um, and, and I think Martin has said, you know, white people's destiny are tied up with our destiny mm-hmm. in, in the land. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's and that's true. And and because people may not want to acknowledge that or or um, they want acknowledge that they buck against it, which causes friction, and and then you get you know the the violence and and whatever you know, but we are in this thing together whether we want to realize it or not yeah. you know i, I uh, tony evans said you know we may have come over on different boat, on different ships but we're all on the same boat now
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right.
5: <laughs> you know a, so yeah, we're yeah, here yeah. and we got to we're, you figure know we got to deal with each other figure it out right, you know right, right.
1: Yeah. whether we like it or not whether we, we like live not. in a common culture in the united states and you know, having been to Africa, which we'll talk in a bit, like we, regardless of your ethnicity, if you're an American, you have way more in common than even your color of skin would, mm-hmm. you know, provide for in another country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't realize it, that mm-hmm. we share a common culture here more than we realize we do. That's really yeah. good. From Eternal City Church, Pastors
3: Chris Moran, Eddie Jones are with us. We'll take a quick break. Back in a few minutes. It's a ride home for Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on Word FM. Hey, thanks for being with us on this Martin Luther King Day from Eternal City Church in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania. Chris Moran and Eddie Jones are with us. Guys, uh, fascinating. You know, uh, this has been, I think we've booked you several times, but we've been trying to bring you in here to talk about Africa because you just came back from Africa not that long ago. Yeah, October.
5: Yeah. Mm -hmm, October. mm
4: -hmm. Okay, where did you go? Uganda. Okay. And you'd been there before, am I right?
5: Yep. Yep. Okay. And you went together? Yep. Yeah. How many? What, six of us went this year. Seven. Six. Yeah. Years? Seven yeah. this year. Seven. That's
1: cool. This year, we've yeah. taken teams every year since yeah. I think twenty seventeen. Okay. Um, do you have a
5: sister church there.
1: What? So we do. We have a church that we support in Gulu, which is just below South Sudan. It's in the cool. north, and uh, it's University Community Church, led by Jimmy Okello, and uh, yeah, we've partnered with them since like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Cool. And uh, and yeah, since we've established pastors training and. Uh, worked with our network there to get guys uh, connected to other like-minded theological pastors for support and care. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Every Mm -hmm. time that we go, I've been there four times. I think Eddie's been there three. Three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're planning to go back again in October of 24. Very cool. Yeah. What's it like for you, Eddie?
5: It's a great experience, obviously. Um, Long flight, but yeah, yeah, it's a great experience to be able to go. I'm, I'm just humbled by what God has allowed me to be able to do um to go to another continent a continent where my people came from and to and to um share the gospel um train pastors over there um, so it 's a very humbling uh, experience, yeah. and I look forward to it every year
3: I mean yeah. people always talk about it whether well, you know whether you 're Irish or italian i 'm going mm-hmm. back to the old country yeah, and yeah. He, i mean this is <laughs> essentially your roots forever
5: yeah, yeah yeah, like we call it the motherland, yeah, yeah. go back to, to and like i said to, to the motherland, and it was very especially the first time it was very I, I surreal, very humbling yeah uh very yeah brought tears that was twenty one that was in twenty one yes yes and
4: yes. what was their response like to you
5: oh uh, nothing but love, nothing but love and acceptance and um, welcome home I haven't heard that you know from, did you really yeah, yeah yeah so um so yeah yeah very very welcoming and accepting and, and, and loving mm-hmm. nothing but nothing. when but Eddie, Eddie first spoke there.
1: he he teared up and thanked the, the the brothers for receiving him and it was an emotional
5: time okay. yeah it was, very, very much so yeah yeah, yeah.
4: Mm. okay so what um, what do you bring uh, I don't mean physically mm-hmm. but what do you bring mm-hmm. to the people and then what do you gain from being there
1: mm. Can I talk about what we do bring physically? Because yeah. yeah. it's kind of yeah, important. Yeah. Um, so, so Crossway Books and Bibles and the Gospel Coalition have donated literally like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of books that we have to ship them by ocean, you know, because they're really? so heavy. Yeah. yeah. And, and so there, there's no Amazon. There's no, you know, bookstores, really, unless you go to the Capitol and then it's a very limited. And so, you know, we give them a stack of books and Bibles f- just for attending for free. In English. In English, because English is the primary yeah, language right. in Uganda. Even right. though they have 50-plus languages there, everything's in English. The mm-hmm. the stores, it's yeah. all in English. Okay. Everyone speaks to you in English. Yeah, they run a oh. British rule for like 80 years. Yeah. So. Which yeah. is why they drink tea and right, not
5: coffee. They
4: oh, <laughs> and they probably drive on the wrong side of the they road. They do. <laughs> <laughs> they do that as well.
5: They
1: gotta
4: yes. take their their on the bad with the good.
1: So we bring books and Bibles, and we bring technology, because it's hard to get good technology, especially Apple products. Like, you know... It's very difficult to get those things. And so we bring them over and and resource... The pastors. What we do is we just tell our church, hey, if you got any old electronics that you would like to give, and they do. It's amazing. Our, our little church will yes. donate. One brother worked for uh, a large tech company in, in Pittsburgh, who I'll leave unnamed, and they donated crates of Apple stuff. Get oh, my out. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Really? And, and they donated them a week too late, and so we have them <laughs> waiting for this the year. The next time. The but, next yeah, you, you yeah. show up with, yeah. you know, like a Mac Mini or something like that. That's just oh. you can't get that there. Right, you right, would think right. so, but you can't. And the Wi-Fi is good enough. For yes, you plug it in. Yeah, mm-hmm. not everyone can afford. That's one of the ways in which we partner: is we supply their Wi-Fi. Okay. It's like eighty dollars a month, which to them is a lot sure. more than it is right. to us. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the ways in which we partner with them: is we buy them high-speed internet, and then other pastors and students can come and benefit from that Wi-Fi, and they can benefit from the programs then that need the that's Wi-Fi. Cool.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those those kind of um, items are, are valuable to them. Like I said, we take that kind of stuff for granted here in America. Sure, we can just. Go out and buy one where they can, and so, um, no matter how old it is or used, it's valuable to them. And, and I want to thank uh, Kathy and her husband Eric for donating phones this sure, year yeah. They went with us, and so, we that was that was received very well. They were very grateful. So, um, so, Eddie yeah. only
4: had to come to my church three different times to get them <laughs> because I kept forgetting. I wasn't well, going to say all is, that, but yes. <laughs> sure. no, but we're very grateful. Thank you. Okay, thank you. so, what do you that. receive?
5: Oh, wow. Um, what do we receive? Um, the, 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 the joy of seeing these pastors eat up this stuff like a sponge, you know, the joy of seeing them eat grateful for receiving what we bring, um, the teaching. They, they love God. Mm. Mm. They love God. And you see that. They love God and they love the opportunity to be able to grow in their faith um, from the resources that we bring. You know, because like Chris said, this things that are not accessible, easily accessible to them, and so um, they're so excited for the books that we we bring and the Mm -hmm. the phones and the and the Bibles and and computers, and so seeing the joy in their faces is priceless. That's so cool. Yeah, Yeah, the gratitude is is amazing. Yes, and
1: you know when we're when we're doing our conference, it's called Shepherd the Flock. Uh, This is our third time doing it. This will be the fourth in twenty four. They are so hungry. They're on the edge of their seat while you're teaching. The Q and A could go one for hours and hours and hours and we have to shut it down because they are so eager to learn, you know, to learn. It's amazing. Yes. 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 It's fabulous. Mm So you're going to go back in October. I
3: mean, there's a lot of differences, obviously. But, I mean, there's Jesus in the middle. So mm-hmm. that's the great...
5: Uh, yeah.
4: Uniter. Yeah. The right. great yes. uniter,
5: exactly. Cultural Sorry. differences, obviously. But, you know, yeah. it doesn't stop us from, you know, loving together, worshiping together. and Just worshiping in a, in a different culture. I love that. Yeah, that's worshiping so cool. Worshiping in a different culture. And they sing songs in their language and, you know, teach it to us. And, you know, Isn't
4: that incredible to be a part of incredible. that? It yes,
5: is incredible. Yes, it really is. We're so fortunate. A little fortunate. small taste of We are heaven. so fortunate yep.
4: yeah. that we have been able to experience that. Yeah. Yeah, yes. it's a us. rare and I mean, wonderful thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, most believers on the earth probably never have a chance to mm, worship right. in a different culture like that, and it's
5: really such a blessing. And, and in a different language, you yeah. know. But uh,
1: one of the f- things that's unique to the to Ugandan worship is dancing. It's just yes. normal. Yeah. Almost oh, every yeah. song yeah. there's a dancing oh, yeah. portion, oh, yeah. really? oh, yeah. which is very different from the Presbyterian.
5: <laughs> Very different from The Frozen Chosen. Very different, but we love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I moved his body? Stop. Stop now. Is that a hand half raised? <laughs> okay, oh, my God. What, weird. what is just, this?
4: He must just be taking notes. What
3: the heck? Yeah. Hey, guys, before you join us, uh, before you leave us, I should say, talk to us about Eternal City, the times you worship, where you worship, and all that people are interested in joining you, yeah?
5: Sundays at 5 p.m. in Wilkinsburg on Swissville Avenue, 130 Swissville Avenue in Wilkinsburg at 5 o'clock. Every Sunday, we're there from 5 to 6.30. We would love to have you come and visit yeah, with us. Very us nice. On the
3: web, we can find you? EternalCity.org. Yes. Excellent.
4: EternalCity.org. Okay. We're yes. taking a break. When we come back, though, I want you guys to stay because we're going to talk Steeler Picks Uh-oh. because we are blissfully ignorant of what is happening. Okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. That's it. okay. the ride home. So, in our world, uh, it's nearly 6 o'clock, and we know that those of you who have watched the Steeler game know what's happening, but we are in blackout.
3: We're blissfully ignorant. We are blissfully
4: ignorant. Um, And we made our Steeler Bills Picks Friday, of course, thinking that the game was going to be Sunday. Um, And I would like to give you, Lexi, and you, John, a chance to amend Your picks, if you'd like, knowing that we're not, the weather's not going to be as terrible. Okay. And I'm going to invite uh, Eddie Jones and Chris Moran into this as well. Okay. No money
3: or changing hands. No,
4: but but as I said, respect might be gained or lost. Mm. All right. Okay. Good. (laughs) Okay. So, John. on Friday, uh, you said the Steelers would win 24 21 over yeah. the Bills. Would I you like to amend that? That
3: was wildly optimistic, I, I believe. I got caught up in the emotion of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll readjust to, I'm going to go super low. How about 13 12? Mm, Steelers. Wow.
4: 13-12 Steelers. Yeah. Lexi, uh, on Friday, you said that the Steelers would win 21-13. Would you like to amend? No, nah, I'm sticking it. I oh. like how mm, okay. committed you are. I want to be optimistic. To okay. What can right. I say? 21-13? 21-13. All right. All right. Chris Moran, you're invited I'm into this. I'm going high. What
5: hey. 28-14. What? Nice. Okay. Steelers. Oh, yeah. 28-14. All of us are going. All right. I'm going to go. Uh, Steelers, 24-17.
4: 24-17. Ooh, very nice. Okay. okay. Um, I feel good about where I landed on Friday. What, what was yours? I was uh, 13-10 Steelers. Oh, you were 13. And I'm sticking with it. Okay. 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 I'm, stuck, we I'm shall sticking see. with it. Okay. So, so every score? one okay. of us has picked the Steelers as victors yes. Yes. Right. today. And uh, are you... Because we're, we may be and, a and biased, player, so the, so uh, player of the game. <laughs> Who, do you have any nominations?
5: Oh, player of the game. Yeah. Ah, I'm going to go with... Uh, Najee.
4: Yeah, that's what I was going to do I was too. Go with Nazi, Chris, do you have anyone you'd like to suggest? I'll pass. Okay, John.
1: Cam Hayward. He's
3: oh, going to
4: wow. fill the shoe. Oh, I he's going to take over for Wow. T-J. Okay. All right. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. I, like, I like that. So I like that. Up. I like that. Okay. All right. Well, I you? was going to say Najee, so I am going to stick with Najee, I think. All right, good. I feel good about it.
3: I, I mean, that- actually
4: I don't feel good about it. I feel physically sick. You're
5: right. <laughs>
3: Why do you like football so much? I don't it know. makes us I so. I don't know. Ill? It's it's and abs- Western
5: Pennsylvania. You know, we're footballaholics. I know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. In general, Pittsburgh. yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh in general. Yeah.
4: I actually went out on Saturday and got Alka Seltzer. Mm. What in mm. preparation for today's game? Yep. Right. Do you really? Do it the- mm-hmm.
3: You're gonna take some before you leave the studio today? No, it's
4: when I sit down to watch it. I t- right. Everything just starts bubbling up. Really? really? Yes. So no
1: wings,
3: no,
4: no nachos, God. no soft oh, pretzels. With- I would. You'd have to come see me in the hospital. Oh man. Really? Forget oh. it. No. Well, I know
5: we're supposed to be boycotting buffalo wings anyway. No. Yeah, that's yeah, understandable. Yeah, which right. is kind of hard to do. But we're trying yeah. to follow
4: God's will for us. Really show
5: how much of a fan you are. If yeah. You do. Well, listen,
3: Eddie and Chris, we appreciate you taking <laughs> sure up your time, do. and you know, from avoiding the game for us as well so uh, we're all going to sort of suffer in silence yes I so think thanks for is. this really appreciate it and listen to
4: Monday show and we'll talk about your picks all right. and we'll nice. always
3: enjoy to be right. here we'll, get yeah. we'll, we'll send get... you a blank check Yeah. for the winner <laughs> Chick-fil-A gift card will be fun <laughs> Chick-fil-A oh Chick-fil-A <laughs> yeah for us as well yeah, Chick-fil-A gets yeah, right. right. yeah I'll take that Eternal take City Church on Swissfell Avenue Wilkinsburg Sundays at 5 o'clock very nice Chris Moran
4: yeah thanks for being along we will see you tomorrow uh Let's go steal Let's go steal,
1: Let's go steal. Go steal. Yes. Eddie, 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 come on. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da,
3: da. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a
0: production of Salem Media Group.